0: All right, Greg, this show officially has my full and undivided attention now. USA. It has not to USA. this point because we've kept one eye on the World Cup match where the U.S. has just advanced out of group play and into the knockout rounds with a 1-0 win over Iran and they were, in the World they Cup. they were not favored to win that game. No, and it, we were kind of sweating it out here. Yeah. I, I was watching it. They went to the stoppage time. They put up a plus 9 That's a lot of stoppage time to sweat through, but the U.S. uh, holds on and comes away with the victory, so they will advance and continue playing. I believe they're likely to play the Netherlands on Saturday, but don't quote me on that. Uh, So anyway, for a while here in the U.S., we're going to see not only continued attention to the World Cup, but probably increased attention to the World Cup now that we're into the knockout stage. And with that means more people are going to tune in to some of the issues related to the World Cup, specifically to the host site in Qatar, and Qatar has certainly not been without its
1: uh, detractors and without some uh, problems that it's had. I mean, this is a this is a uh, just a small country uh, the size of you know some of the, our smaller states here, which had to build infrastructure in a short term and had to build stadiums in a short term and. So a lot of that came with some controversy.
0: Yeah, their construction uh, actually makes the point. Our last segment seemed like a yeah. very small project because it was something like eight or nine stadiums, uh, a subway system, essentially build a city around it. But the way they went about that has a lot of people asking questions about why exactly are we holding such a prestigious event here? And we're joined today by Eric Boehm. Uh He's a reporter at Reason.com. Eric, uh, thanks so much for taking some time with us today on Inside Sources.
2: Thanks so much for having me, and for uh, you know not not scheduling me in the last hour because I was also glued to the television for that game. So.
0: Yeah, we, we figured that would be a little bit of a tough ask. We can we can co-host while the game is on, but asking someone sure. to answer questions at the same time uh, would be difficult. So, you've written a piece, and you've 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 kind of done uh, some reporting on this, but you start with a, an example of. Um, Qatar's authoritarianism. And and I think a lot's been made about uh, what type of um, conditions are there for workers who helped build this uh, infrastructure to host an event like this. Uh, There's obviously been a lot in the news about alcohol uh, policy that was going one direction then kind of got changed up before. Can can you just describe to us what happened and, and why this is significant?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I titled the piece that I wrote for Reason that the World Cup is a celebration of authoritarianism. And I think that's not really necessarily unique to Qatar because when you think about other places where the World Cup has been recently, Russia four years ago, there were, you know, there were a bunch of people kicked out of their homes so they could build stadiums in Brazil and, and a similar phenomenon in South Africa and the World Cups before that. So this is unfortunately part and parcel of. Uh, FIFA's uh, decision making, and you know where where it is giving uh, countries, you know where it's awarding the World Cup, um, but significant because of some of the things you guys were just talking about. About like, I think anybody, even a casual soccer fan, would scratch their head and be like, "Wait a minute, Qatar, you know, it's, that's not Brazil, right? That's not a place that has a uh, soccer culture." Um, they had to build all these stadiums from scratch. And uh, actually, since I published that piece a week ago, there's there's been some news on this front. Just today, actually, a top Qatari official uh, was quoted by the Associated Press saying that uh, somewhere between 400 and 500. Uh, migrant workers died while building the uh, stadiums and the infrastructure there in Qatar. So that's the first time that we've gotten an official figure from somebody within the Qatari government about the the deaths there. Uh, there's been reporting done, and it's difficult because there's not freedom of the press in Qatar, but there has been reporting done uh, by The Guardian and by other news organizations that's put that number significantly higher, well into the thousands. Though it's not clear the the sources uh, and, and sort of government data that were relied on for those stories, it's not clear whether all those deaths were directly related to like building the stadiums or not. Um, so obviously it's been somewhat unclear in large part because Qatar is a place that just doesn't have uh, respect for uh, freedom of the press and for sort of the, the liberal uh, ideals that, uh, that we take for granted here in America.
1: Eric, I, I may be wrong, but it, 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 I think I've heard or read that the FIFA president, actually sort of came out defensive of Qatar and, and sort of looked at the West and said, look, you've had 3,000 years of authoritarianism. Don't come into Qatar now and tell us that we're doing something wrong. Is, 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 is that correct, first of all? And uh, is, is, is that sort of the way that the Qatar sort of treated this as well?
2: Yeah, that's uh I thought that was just one of the most ridiculous things that I heard in the lead up to this World Cup. That was uh FIFA president Gianni Infantino, I may be pronouncing that incorrectly, uh, in a press conference that he gave just prior to the opening match. So I guess that was about a week and a half ago now. Um he said that uh you know, this was him responding to a uh, to a question about the beer policies. You guys alluded to this, but like Qatar had for, you know, it's a it's a dry country more or less. And they had for uh, years in the lead up to the World Cup uh, assured FIFA and assured the Budweiser, who's one of the big sponsors of the event, that, of course, we'll let there be beer sold in the stadiums. You know, we'll have some limitations on where it can be sold, but, uh, you know, we'll do it. And then at the last minute, they kind of pulled the rug out from under everybody and said, no, you know what, actually, the beer won't be sold in stadiums at all. It'll be sold in one location down at the Fan Festival in downtown Doha. And, uh, and uh, you know, unless you are one of the people who's bought one of the special hospitality suites, one of the, you know, the high rollers club, basically. At any of the stadiums then you can have alcohol but the regular plebes not so much um so there was a bunch of outrage about this i think rightfully so ecuadorian fans at the first match were chanting we want beer we want beer which was pretty funny um, and so Infantino was responding to some criticism about this, and he said that uh, you know I think personally, if for three hours a day you cannot drink a beer, you will survive. And then he went on to say, I think that what we Europeans have been doing around the world for the last three thousand years, we should be apologizing for the next three thousand years before starting to give moral lessons. Um, And that is just I think that's that's completely ridiculous. I understand his point here that, like, look, maybe Qatari culture is different than European or American sports culture. Drinking is not necessarily part of enjoying uh, the game there. But uh, look, a history of, Amer- of, of Western colonialism, a history of authoritarianism by, by governments in Europe and America, uh, that, is, that is true, that is historical fact, but that doesn't give cover for other countries to then engage in authoritarianism and human rights abuses, right? Uh, if we want, If we want to lead by example, if we want to say learn from our own checkered past, uh, you know that that has to include asking that other countries not repeat some of those same uh, mistakes. So I think the sort of the, the lack of, of freedom, the lack of basic human rights uh, for many people in, in Qatari society and and, 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 you know, parts of the rest of that whole area of the world. Um, you know, I think it's just, I think it's completely ridiculous to suggest that like, we can't give moral lessons because we've got some history of our own to deal with.
0: Eric Baim is a reporter at reason.com. You can go find his piece there. Eric, thanks for taking some time with us today.
2: Thanks so much, guys.
0: So Greg, I think the question here is, at a fundamental level, it's do you reward a country that has policies like this by giving them a chance to be the center of the world stage? Conversely, is it good to take a country that maybe has some policies that we don't agree with in the West and bring them out? Like, does engagement help or is engagement rewarding bad behavior, and I think that's the question that I think most people would struggle with. Sure, and
1: and do the Qataris even care? I mean, is this something, they're they're hosting it, it'll be over in three or four weeks, and they're going to say it was a huge success, and they've got six or eight gigantic (laughs) soccer stadiums, I don't know what they're going to do with, but we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, interesting questions and uh, something to kind of grapple with, but for right now, you can also enjoy the U.S. uh, playing continuing on in the World Cup, and by the way, yes, they will play the Netherlands uh, Saturday at 7 a.m., so that'll ruin your weekend sleeping in plans a little bit. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
0: Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
1: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.
0: It was violent. It was